This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Hi, this is Scott Snyder, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 272. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... Ian. And we are bringing you the latest comic news and comic reviews from the weeks of April 14th through April 27th. We have a total of two books to cover, a tad bit of news, and uh, if time permits, we've got a bunch of smaller discussion points that uh, I'd like to discuss. Um, Some of you on the Discord may... well, well, we'll get to that later on, but anyway... Um, we, we, over the past couple of weeks, there hasn't been a whole lot of news, um, but there has been a little, uh, j- also, I don't know why I didn't mention this, but Steph is, is just taking this week off. Uh, she has every intention of being back in two weeks. So that, that's where Steph is. If anybody was wondering, um, but that being said, let, let's just jump straight into the news. So the very first and really only piece of news we have is the solicitations for July have released and those solicitations Technically, as I mentioned on the last episode, released prior to us recording the last episode, but I'll be honest, there's just not enough time for me to completely put together the breakdown of the entire month of solicitations a couple days before we record. So, let's dive into the solicitations. The latest batch has arrived and brings some hotly anticipated series. Last month brought more new series that TVU will be covering, but July brings even more. While the Year of the Villain technically starts in May with the 25 cent special, which... As you're listening to this, that is out, and we'll be bringing that up later on in the episode. Uh, things are about to heat up in July for the event, as a total of 10 different titles releasing during the month will have a special Year of the Villain variant cover. These covers will be thicker in nature and cost an additional dollar more because of that. If you're curious to know which titles will be a part of it, there was an article that we posted up um, that actually listed and showed off a lot of the covers, but uh, basically, if generally gets a variant cover it's getting one of a variant cover this time around but there's uh the ones that's specifically worth mentioning uh batman detective comics nightwing batgirl red hood batman the outsiders catwoman harley quinn those are all getting uh variant covers as well as some of the other ones that aren't specifically greater gotham or, or batman books but those are the ones that are going to be having a special cover um to be completely honest i before we move into some of these other ones i want to briefly talk about this i'm not real sure exactly the the necessity for having the issue be a dollar more so all these comics are now 3.99 the extra dollar more for this special variant cover which is legitimately just a face of a villain 
um, is going to cost four ninety nine rather than three ninety nine, and their explanation behind that is that the card stock for the cover is going to be thicker. I don't believe in any way, shape, or form that it actually would cost a dollar extra per issue to have that card stock cover. So this is uh, clearly an issue where they think they can get people to pay more. I mean, it's the same thing when at the end of the New 52, they kept raising Batman's price and Scott Snyder had to get mad at editorial and tell him our title, just because you know people will buy Batman doesn't mean you have the right to make it cost more. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, whoever's in charge of the Year of the Villain thing isn't pushing back on this kind of stuff. Um, I honestly, taking a look at the covers, they're not that exciting. Like you said, they're just a picture of the villain. They're not even like an action shot. It's mostly a headshot. Um, yeah, it's a headshot. And it's not even like last year when we had those foil covers. You, I know you purchased some of those foil covers. They were, were they beautiful, more expensive? but they were the same price. They didn't have a yeah. bump. Yeah, so they didn't have a price bump for foil covers. Um, I know in the past when they've done those, uh, holo- not holographic, I don't know what, the, the motion covers, the Lenticler covers, I know those were more expensive. But that's legitimately like a piece of plastic on the cover of a, a comic. It's not like a piece of card, just a thick a thicker piece of paper or a thicker piece of cardboard. It's not the same thing. It's also so, more art. They have to pay the artist to draw two or three different art yeah, exactly. pieces. Like I talked to Clay Mann because he did some of the features and covers and he said I had to draw three different things and they all had to be different. And so I can, I'm on board with paying more for a lenticular cover because it's more work in addition to the material cost. But these cardstock covers are just low effort. Not real sure what they were thinking with that, but Going back to solicitations, debuting in July is the first issue of Batman Curse of the White Knight from Sean Murphy, which will kick off the eight-issue miniseries. We talked about that, we talked about that last episode. Uh, the series will introduce Azrael into the mix while keeping the Joker and Batman at the forefront based on the first cover that they revealed. Uh, also arriving in July is the first issue of Batman Universe, which collects Brian Michael Bendis' and Nick Darrington's story that originally appeared in the Walmart Giants as part of a new six-issue miniseries. Uh, which we also talked about on the last episode. Uh, there's also another new DC Inc. title making its way this September as Batman Nightwalker is advanced solicited this month. The new, the new title is an adaption of Marie Lou's novel of the same name and will feature art by former Batgirl artist Chris Wildgoose. Uh, July will also bring a special, a few special issues of note. First, Batman number 75 will be an oversized issue costing an extra dollar, but it will be oversized. Um, it'll have, Instead of being 32 pages, it'll be 48, so you are getting more for that extra dollar. Uh, It will kick off the new story arc, City of Bane. The second issue is uh, the Batman Secret Files, uh, which will arrive in July and feature stories from a number of high-profile writers um, and artists featuring stories dealing with the villains of the Batman universe. And then both of these issues will fall in line with the overall Year of the Villain event that is kicking off, like I said, in May. Uh, real quickly, talking about Secret Files, got to say, last year we were not overall huge fans of Secret Files. Um, in general, Secret Files was kind of, uh, why did they do this? What was the necessity behind this? Was it even necessary? Probably not. So I'm hoping that this time around there's a distinct reason and not just, here's a possibility to slap Batman's name on a cover and sell some more issues because we already get Batman annuals. 
We already have, you know, a plenty of other miniseries and one shots and other things that happen. The Secret Files thing could get crazy out of hand if it's just as basically Batman Annual 2.1 or 2.5 every single year, which I don't think is necessary because it also, to, to be clear, it also is not exactly the cheapest thing. It's it's 4.99 as well. And while this year's lineup of, of uh, creators, Andy Kuber, Tim Seeley, Steve Orlando, Margaret Scott, Colin Kelly, and Jackson Lansing, they're all doing the, the stories. So there's at least five stories, uh, you know, as part of this. I just don't see. Well, I mean, the biggest example is we just saw in Detective Comics, while, or Detective Comics number 1000, while there was a bunch of really good stuff. You can see that some creators, when limited on the number of pages they have to tell their story, some of them can't necessarily do a great job. Um, that's not saying anything about these because I honestly, I know some of these people, these writers that are attached to this Secret Files issue too, um, I know some of them have worked on different anthologies, those holiday anthologies, which is a lower page count. Some of those can be turn out well, but some of them, some of them don't, so... It's very it's a very fickle fickle situation when it comes to whether or not these shorter stories can work. Um, one person who has shown that they can work is Tom King, but he tends to write in long form most of the time. So, I wanted to comment about Secret Files. I'm a little annoyed that they're doing the Secret Files without. I mean, I'm with Josh Bertoni. He made a great comment about how. We need our maps. We need our profiles. We need our pinups. This is not a secret files. This is just an anthology. They might as well do it as a quarterly. I think they should really call this Batman City of Bane special number one. You know? Do you remember when they did that? Oh yeah, like No Man's oh, Land. Yeah. This is yep. perfect for Batman City of Bane special number one. This is what it is, and I am excited about that idea. I don't like that they're calling it secret files. Yeah, me either. I mean, we complained about that last year. It's just one of those things where. I don't understand the necessity for it. All right. So anyway, outside of that, July also happens to be a five Wednesday month. So naturally, there are a few titles that will receive annuals during the month. The one of note for those of us at TBU is Red Hood Outlaw, which promises to tell the story of what have what happened to Artemis and Bizarro. As far as creator changes go, there are some shakeups to some of the series. While not new news, Tony Daniel will be back on Batman with number 75 for the new arc. Well, we at TBU supposed last month that the issue that Detective Comics number one thousand six with artist Kyle Hotz uh, was a, was we assumed it was going to be a one issue story, but it actually is a two issue story that continues in one thousand seven before Doug Mankey returns for one thousand eight. The biggest creative change, however, seems to have completely flown under the radar, and that's there's a reason. I'll get to that in a second. But Margaret Scott and Paul Pelletier um, have both been replaced on Batgirl. Cecil Castellucci, who is currently writing Female Furies, and Carmine DiGiadomenko, who TBU last saw working on Detective Comics with James Robinson, are both coming on to the title. Absolutely no word from DC on the creative change other than a tweet from Margaret Scott who said that she that all good things must come to an end. So, yeah, nobody else involved is saying anything, so it's unknown if these this new creative team is coming on for, as the new permanent team or if they're just coming on as, you know, a fill-in story for a couple of months while they readjust. This Personally... Is- yeah, go ahead, go ahead. This is, I know what your feelings are. Go ahead. This is such a weird change. Like, 
I, I'm not quite as excited about uh, Megrid Scott's right as, as Dustin, but it was a, a breath of fresh air after three years of Burnside and then four years of Simone before that. It was better than Batgirl's been since the new 52, and they'd been consistent. There were no fill-in art issues or any late, like Batgirl hadn't been pushed back. The sales had been really good since 25. Like, we're talking, if I had been betting on one of the the TBU titles to to lose uh, a creative team, it would have been something like Nightwing or Batman Beyond, because those sales, the sales aren't great. Batgirl had been stable, had been good, and they put Cecil Castellucci, now, the most recent thing Cecil Cacciolucci has done is Female Furies. It's not a book for me. It doesn't speak to me personally. Um, it's gotten some good buzz, but it, it's not the kind of thing you'd expect from a Batgirl. It's a cosmic book, and I am just so puzzled. And I love Carmine. I mean, I've, I raved about his art during the painful James Robinson arc, but he doesn't seem a good fit for Batgirl. It, I am puzzled by this. Me too. Um, yeah, so it's, it's no secret that I have been praising Batgirl for quite some time. I, I've enjoyed the new direction that Batgirl has taken, but the main reason why is because while Burnside wasn't necessarily the greatest version of the character that I, that I, you know, that I would have appreciated, I still had no problem with Batgirl, you know, the way it was. I didn't like Gail Simone's run. I, that that run really like detracted me from everything that was going on with with uh, Batgirl in general. But the biggest thing that that I had a problem with is that it just didn't feel like anything was actually happening. It just felt like it was floating since the beginning of Rebirth. It was just like, well, we're continuing some of the stuff from Rebirth, but not everything, and it's not really that big of a deal when it comes to anything of importance. And that that concerns me because, quite honestly. There's no real reason that it needed to be like that. It just it was happening because the creators that were involved on the title didn't have really anything unique to tell about the story that was interesting, at least to me. Um, and I, I, I was, and it may seem like I'm talking out of my rear end, but the reason why is because I've been stalling for time because I was trying to pull up sales numbers to prove my point. So, um, as of just about a year ago, Batgirl was selling about 26k per month okay uh fast forward to september um which was like the first full issue or i think the second full issue that uh scott had come on to and it had gone up to 28 in october it was 37 which seems extremely high for some reason but I'm that was the foil sure. cover that was okay that was a foil cover and then after that it was 35 in november uh, December, we didn't have an issue, but then it was 33 and 31 for the next two issues. February was 29. So I think ultimately it went up and it went up high and it's been slowly going down, but it's still higher than it was prior to Scott coming on the book. So I think DC might be looking at this situation as, well, let's change things up before we, or, you know, before it gets to that point that it was prior to Scott taking over the book. I honestly don't know. See, the thing is, I think that the book jumped up mostly because of that foil cover, mostly because of what was going on. But I don't. Well, really it was think a double whammy. It jumped up because of issue twenty-five, which was a double-sized um, sort of celebration issue, and then two months later, we had the foil issue, and so those two. Uh, bump sales up but i think what's really impressive is it didn't drop significantly after those right. two and that's the biggest thing and 
so having the two of them come off the book now to be to be completely fair artists don't always stay on the book for a very long period of time normally you see an artist stay on a book for six issues or 12 issues depending on just depending on what what the situation is but like bernard chang is a perfect example of the guy's been all over the place but he doesn't stay on a book for an extremely long period of time I've seen some artists on a book for 12 months and then they immediately go on to another book the next month because they just change up to a different book. And it just gives the book a different feel, things like that. So I'm not speaking to the art, but the story, like, the only concern I have with the story is the last couple issues, there's a couple of things. One, in Batgirl, there was, like, there was a lot of hints at, like, potentially getting towards the Oracle role. There was a lot of hints about... um, dealing with her her spinal implant that got her out of the wheelchair there was a lot of hints at the beginning of Scott's run to that and they've kind of that stuff's kind of taken a back seat and it hasn't really appeared or been uh even mentioned that recently and I'm wondering if maybe that was something that she had intended to follow up on intended to do a lot more we just actually started a story um this past month with her dealing with the terrible trio which ties into the last story arc, but not in, in a way that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, Jerry reviewed the book, and when he reviewed the book, he said that the characterization of Barbara for the last couple issues has been very off, and he's not exactly sure why this is happening, unless it's story-driven, and there's a reason for it that will be revealed in the future. Now, knowing what we know coming in the next couple months, Batgirl happens to be one of those books that's going to be getting the Year of the Villain special cover, which also means that there's going to be something involved in that book where Lex Luthor comes and tries to make an offer to somebody in that title. The solicitation for July reads that Lex Luthor comes to Oracle or comes to Batgirl and tells her that he can, he can make her Oracle again. So, Maybe that was the intent, and that's why Scott was doing what she was doing, trying to like get her towards this, so it would be more believable that she'd actually, you know, take the role of Oracle. But at the same time, I, I don't know. It's very strange. It's very strange because DC tends to make a bigger deal when there's a new creative team coming on to a book, especially a permanent team, and they're not doing that with uh, Castellucci at this point. So I'm not real sure exactly what's going on. Um, and Scott's kind of quiet. I did, I did look through some of her tweets and she did, she has also been wrapping up some other work, um, some TV work that she's been doing, obviously outside of comics. So maybe she's just looking for some time off and this just happened to fall in line with what DC was looking to do at the same time. I don't know, but this one is the one that like is kind of mind boggling to me because it doesn't make a lot of sense, sense because the book has been good. Could it be better? Sure, but I feel like maybe something behind the scenes is is holding it down because of some events that are coming up that could impact what's going on. Also, what happens based off of this year of the villain stuff could have impacted the character, and that wasn't Scott something Scott wanted to do, so that's possible too. Alright, so with that, if you head over to the site, there is an article. It is called DC Comics TBU solicitations breakdown for July 2019. All the details that I just talked about, as well as the full list of all the solicitations that are coming, all the books that are coming in uh, July uh, that we specifically review on the site are on this list, as well as a, a cover gallery of a select covers. Honestly, the my favorite cover of the group was Batman number 74. Some really good stuff there. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, with that, we're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews, and the first one we have is Batman. 
Batman number 69, uh, the final issue of Nightmares, written by Tom King, art by Yannick Paquette. Bruce finds himself, dressed in a tuxedo, standing in a beautiful empty ballroom, as the song Some of These Days fills the air around him. Walking across the room, he offers his hand to dance, saying, Dance with me. Clad in her wedding dress, Catwoman echoes her response to his first proposal of marriage. Bruce, say it again. But this time, you poor boy, don't demand. Ask me. Bruce complies and Selina assents, and the two stand together to dance. In Arkham, a naked, bleeding, and maniacally grinning Bane challenges Thomas Wayne, Flashpoint Batman, clad only in loose exercise pants, to another bout. Though Thomas tries to focus Bane on their plans, Bane merely punches him, beginning the bout, to which Thomas warns him that he'll lose again. Batman, now clad in his costume, dances with Selina on the boat where she believes they first met. He recounts the last six days as they flash to the street from Batman Year One. He explains that he has a backup plan for dealing with scarecrow toxins and remembers Thomas attacking him in the cave. As Batman and Catwoman dance through the streets paved with music, she clad in her purple costume with the yellow cape, he recalls that the last thing his father told him was don't be Batman. Bane and Thomas continued to spar brutally. Batman and Catwoman, now in a pet store, dance over dozens of cats as Batman works out that Bane and his father want to stop him from being Batman. Thomas beats Bane to the ground, using all of Bruce's normal catchphrases like, I'm the Dark Knight. He claims Bane has never beaten the true Batman, as Bruce is just a broken little boy at heart. Bruce unravels his plan to free himself from the Scarecrow Toxin, as his unconscious mind takes the form of his friends and allies. As Thomas walks away, Bane grabs his ankle and throws him to the ground, then pins him and roars his own name. In the nightmare, Batman realizes that too much fear can overpower the toxin, causing enough adrenaline release to escape. But to find his greatest fear, he needs to know the real reason Catwoman left him. So he stands on the rooftop in the rain before her and asks, why? As Bane starts to choke Thomas, Flashpoint Batman pulls a pistol from his pocket and thrusts it under Bane's chin. Bane realizes that unlike Bruce, Thomas cheats, to which Thomas responds that he wins. In the Batcave, Batman and Catwoman continue to dance as she explains why she left. She claims that his vow to be Batman prevents him from truly loving anyone. Clad in her wedding dress again, after progressing through a history of her costumes, Selina walks away with tears in her eyes, telling Bruce, it's time to wake up. So, we're done with Nightmares. What do you think of this issue, and how does it wrap up uh, these seven issues for you? <clears throat> I think it, this singular issue is pretty good. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of issues with this. It slightly explains a couple of things, but nothing super major. The one thing that I, I guess that I was most interested in was how we're going to get Bruce to wake up. Um, and while that was kind of delved into it not not completely um quite honestly i'm 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 more thrilled i'm probably ultimately i'm probably going to give this a higher rating because i'm content and happy that the nightmares are over because i felt like they've gone on too long um it doesn't help that the flash crossover was kind of in the middle of it but i just and also i I, I just feel like this 
Yeah, and I just feel like this is this has been going on for too long. And while I am interested in seeing City of Bane and where the entire Tom King saga goes, I really feel like let's just get moving here. Like this is not like there's not enough going on in between the main things. Like we had the wedding that didn't happen. We had a really good story with the Mr. Freeze trial that had really nothing to do with anything else, at least to this point. I'm sure it ties in in some way to the overall Tom King storyline, but there's not a lot that's been going on in between the big events. You had the proposal, you had the wedding, there's some smaller moments that are really good in between here and there, but there's a lot of stuff that just feels like it's just here and it's just happening and I just want to get moving on. I just, like, I, I don't want to sit here and say that, like, Tom King is, you know, he's worn out his welcome in the Batman universe because I don't think that's the case. And I think that stuff that is coming up soon is going to be really good. I just feel like this, and I've said this before, this desire to get to 100 issues seems so ridiculous when you look at it from the larger scheme of what we're getting in between these big, huge plot points that, by the way, are spread out a year apart. So that that's my only problem is like stuff doesn't seem to really be happening on a consistent basis. So nightmares, glad it's over, glad to be moving forward. I think that's actually a fairly common um perspective. I I feel like I'm kind of one of the the weird people. There's a whole thread of us over at CBR and we discuss um Tom King's run as a whole every week. And um I have loved the nightmares um and that's not to say i didn't like what was going on before and i'm super excited about city of bane i think the fall in the fallen is really an exciting lead-in to um city of bane and we just got some teaser art from king with the whole bat family and i was at uh, awesome con this weekend and he said that yeah it's sort of this parallel to bane with all his villains the whole bat family is gonna help and, and fight bane um so that's really exciting but to me we had the, the wedding that didn't happen. Um, and I was really upset. So having Batman actually take seven issues to go through that trauma, that just deep loss. Um, I have really enjoyed it. Now I, I won't defend issue number 61. The, the one with that master Bruce kid who's terrible. Um, I didn't think that was good at all, and I don't. I still don't see how that ties into anything. But everything else has really delved into a different aspect of Batman's fears and who Batman is and what he feels, what he thinks, what he's going to do about Catwoman leading. And that's what I wanted after issue 50. So this is sort of written exactly for people like me who are like, what does Batman feel? What? Why is Batman just being such a jerk? Because... You know, he has that, um, the trial, as we talked about, and I, I do want to touch on that because I think I do see how it connects to the rest of the story. Um, but then you had um, that issue with Nightwing, and then you had the issue, the, the arc where Nightwing gets shot and he fights KG Beast. And we never really, Batman almost says nothing um, as Batman for 10 issues. Uh, even in um, the Tyrant Wing, he's not talking a lot. So the dream sequence where it's almost all Batman. It's all Batman's thoughts. All the characters are just Batman thinking to himself. I wanted that, and I thought it was really well done. And there's lots of fun, quirky things. You had the Bachelorette Party. You had 
you know, the chase, you had the, um, the weird professor pig turning into Damien thing. You had the honeymoon. It's like, it's all these different things, but it all centers around what is Batman thinking about the wedding. Um, but I mean, I think I'm definitely in the minority, so I'm glad that we're back on track because I'd like to, uh, hopefully have more excitement in my fellow fans that we can be excited together about things like city of Bane. Um, just to touch on the whole, the cold days, um, so Bane in the tyrant wing, we find out he was the one who had Penguin kill the women who Freeze was arrested for. And he did that deliberately to try and um, have Batman lose confidence in himself because he knew Batman would go, oh, Mr. Freeze did it. So he would go after Mr. Freeze. And because he was so upset, he beat a confession out of Freeze, even though Freeze didn't do it. So uh, and then he'd probably send um Batman a note saying it wasn't freeze or something. And then Batman would be even more upset because he sent a man who wasn't guilty of that crime to jail. Um, but Bruce figured out that he'd been played. So he bribed his way into the jury to prevent Batman from being responsible for that injustice. So it was another part of Bane's psychological campaign against Batman to frame a different villain and show Batman that he's He's wrong. He's incompetent. And Bruce had the citizens of Gotham save Batman from himself. So that's how it fit into the the overall plot. And I think I probably consciously knew that. It's just stuff is so spread out that I think that's why I didn't make the connection when I said Well, that, that was right a now. year ago. It's it's a long time. Oh, I know. <laughs> that's and that just that just goes back to my my biggest problem with this is that it just feels like it's too spaced out. And there's a lot of unnecessary things that are happening in between, um, like some of these nightmares. Not not completely needed. The Flash crossover not completely needed. It's it's just some of this stuff. Just just it needs to it needs to go somewhere, and it looks like it will be obviously with City of Bane right around the corner, but City of Bane is still three months away. So, and I'm hoping that as we get closer to that, it's not. It's not something like we're we're going to. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I think it's really interesting because I remember listening to the end of the New Fifty Two because I I only started listening to the podcast again uh, in two thousand fourteen with Batman Eternal and I remember that in the middle or even at the beginning of Super Heavy there was just a real frustration because Super Heavy was a long arc and it didn't seem to go anywhere for like five issues. Um, so I think there is a sense where modern Batman writers uh, really do tend to to set up a lot of pieces before they start putting anything together. Um, I, I've read most of Morrison's run, um, but the thing about Morrison's run is he started with a bunch of sort of standalone arcs that tied together. Uh, like you had the Son of Batman thing, and then you had like the black veil where he gets um, no, the black glove where he gets stuck in a house and it's like a murder mystery. And then I think he went from there into RIP, which was of course the death of Batman. I was super trippy. I still don't understand that story at all. Uh, And then he did return of Bruce Wayne and he did Batman and Robin with Dick bats. And then he did Batman incorporated, but each of these sort of had a really distinctive uh, feel to them. And, especially because he started doing different titles. You have Batman and Robin. So that had its own 
title. Batman Incorporated has its own title. Whereas Tom King is doing sort of the same thing, but it's all in the Batman title. So yeah, well, is- to be clear, the other major difference between what Morrison did and what Tom King did is there was big breaks of time in between his run Batman to Batman and Robin there wasn't a huge one there, but like when he went on to Batman Incorporated, there was there was breaks. It wasn't like he ended Batman and Robin or he ended his take because I know that there was other creators who came on to Batman and Robin after him. He there was breaks of time in between, so it wasn't like when you look at the entire Grant Morrison Batman saga. Yes, there is there is major. You know, it's very much like here's a big event. Here's some stuff to like go along with it. But I think that even when there was like the big events, like the new series starting or a new like, you know, when Batman Incorporated was announced and things like that, I I still feel like there was time in between, and Tom King's putting time in between, but he's still putting out issues, and that's that's watering down the overall story, and that's my problem. Yeah, and I can feel that. I just. Um... For me, Nightmares was really powerful, um, and I totally see why it's not for a lot of fans. It's just it dealt with things I desperately wanted to be dealt with after number 50. So I was really excited. But I I think it's a good time to end it, and I love the way that issue 69 sort of went through each of the previous issues and sort of showed how it was all Batman wrestling to face his greatest fear to get his heart to spike, which will bring him out of the toxin. Oh, I also wanted to mention that um, the art by Yannick Paquette was really good. He referenced um, Batman number 44, where Joel Jones and Mikel Janin uh, went through all these different costumes. And uh, it's clear that Tom King wrote that issue to introduce this idea of Batman and Catwoman's history through costumes so that he could do things like this later on. And I, I hope we see more flashbacks that flesh out that relationship through the visuals. Um, and he also references the annual where Batman and Catwoman are on the roof in the rain and Batman says, why? And then a couple issues ago, um, you had, uh, Catwoman and Batman on the roof and that was drawn by Jorge Fornes and it also had, it had Catwoman this time saying why? And this time again, it has Batman talking to Catwoman on the roof in the rain saying why? And it's just these repeated images. Um, each time it has a new added layer of meaning. And I think that's, it's a very poetic effect. And I'm really looking forward to that kind of thing is why I think that the whole boat and street debate between Batman and Catwoman is so important because it keeps coming up. I agree. The, the art was great and there's definitely something to them having different versions of their first meeting and things like that. That is definitely something that's going to come up at some point. And I wonder if the reason why it's lasted as long as it has is because of something to do with doomsday clock that's that's literally my only thought as to why it keeps coming up is maybe it was originally meant to be something that was supposed to be revealed way before now, but it hasn't been yet. So, um, and I only say Doomsday Clock because it's one of the few books out there that is potentially going to change things when it eventually wraps up. If it actually does change anything, because with the series being as delayed as it has been, it's pretty impossible to sit here and say that it will actually have any effect on the DC universe because at this point they're not even really doing a whole lot of press for each issue as they come out. They're just kind of releasing the issues whenever they get around to it. So, well, and hilariously, James Tynan and Scott Snyder and Brian Michael Bendis are all doing their own things to 
to get around the fact that Doomsday Clock was supposed to give us some of the continuity from before Flashpoint back, but instead they're using their own mechanisms to do that because Doomsday Talk failed. Yep, which is so sad, but... I mean, I'm not yes. really sad, but I am frustrated. <laughs> well, I'm sad because I was I had high hopes because I think the biggest reason... I, it's not so much about the Doomsday Clock. I mean, because to be clear, Doomsday Clock was 12 issues. Does it need to be... Did it need to be 12 issues... At this point, it's unsure. Um, we've gotten ten of the twelve issues, and I still feel like ten. We, by the time we got to issue ten, we're finally getting some answers. We're finally seeing something actually happening. There's a lot of build up to this. It would have worked well if it was released as a graphic novel, but as single issues, it was moving at a snail's pace in the very beginning, and the the delays didn't help the series in any way, shape, or form. So. It, 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 it's just, it, it's it's upsetting because Rebirth, DC Universe Rebirth Special Number One was really really good. Gave a lot of really good hope of what could come in the future, and Doomsday Clock came eventually, but then still had massive issues with actually releasing on time. And now, who's to say it's ever going to actually matter? I mean, there's already clear problems, which is. They've they've said that Doomsday Clock will you know by the time Doomsday Clock ends all the other books and, and to be clear they said this before Doomsday Clock launched so it could have completely changed by now because by the time Doomsday Clock ends it could be two years after it started even though it was only a twelve issue series but the thing is you know they made up this big deal about oh well, by the time Doomsday Clock ends it's going to link up to with the current DC universe and continuity and it'll explain some of the things that have happened and blah 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 and every time an issue comes out I'm like looking at it and trying to think okay so how can this possibly match with that no it can't because it just it just doesn't i mean the biggest thing is the bat suit the bat suit is not going to go back to that version of the bat suit that they were using at the beginning it's not going to go back to that version of the Batsuit that they were using at the beginning of Doomsday Clock. So, yeah, uh, that's why I'm disappointed. But here's here's hoping that even if Doomsday Clock ultimately fails, the idea of what Jeff Johns was trying to get across with DC Universe Rebirth doesn't ultimately fail in the future. So, all right. So with that, Batman, I'm going to give a total of four out of five. I believe I... Shoot, I closed it. Uh, what did I give it? Did I give it four or four and a half? You gave it four and a half. Four and a half out of five. It was, I really loved it, obviously. So four and a half out of five, excellent issue. All right. So that's going to give Batman a total of four out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 1002, written by Peter Tomasi, art by Brad Walker. With a foot upon Batman's face, the Arkham Knight declares this day was just a prologue and a hint of what is to come. Batman demands to know what he has unleashed upon his city. The Arkham Knight states he does not remember anyone giving him this city. Batman has blinded Gotham and wrapped its eyes with darkness and pushed it into a black pit. Gotham is a kidnapped victim and Batman is its kidnapper. Batman states the Arkham Knight is just another monster for him to put down. The Arkham Knight responds, who is worse? The monsters, or the monster who scares the monsters. The GCPD arrive at the scene and shoot at the Arkham Knight. 
Batman tries to stop the GCPD from escalating things, but now it is too late. The Arkham Knight's followers now engage the police. The Arkham Knight, annoyed by the police intrusion, asks Batman to make a clear choice. Either let him and his group walk or have innocent bystanders and the GCPD suffer from their escalating skirmish. Impaled with many arrows and worried about the massive potential loss of life, Batman tells him that they will meet again. Batman summons the Batmobile and Gordon helps him get in. Batman tells him that he has to collect the evidence. Gordon lets him know that he will share any evidence his men collect. Despite Batman's stubbornness, Batman commands the Batman, the Batmobile to take Batman home. When Alfred, With Alfred patching up Bruce's body after it was made into a pincushion by Ar- the Arkham Knight's followers, Bruce examines the arrows they used. They knew what his suit was made of and what was needed to cut through the, his suit's lining. Damien, who is researching at a terminal across the room, tells Bruce that he was too kind on the followers. Bruce asks him what he should have done and what the A on the Arkham Knight's shield stands for. Damien tells him he knows not what the A means, but he does have a lock on some remnants of that day's bomb, which exploded. At the floor of Aparo Bay, Damien with scuba gear is analyzing the remnants of the bomb. All of a sudden, Damien gets alerts to take evasive action he takes out multiple assailants assailants but is he is finally subdued by the arkham knight now a prisoner damien looks around and sees a tapestry of batman and comments on how he was not expecting to go to a museum today the arkham knight states that this place is not a museum it is both a castle and a dungeon a place of happiness and a place of suffering this place is not a refuge for its residents but those who live in the shadows and darkness of the bat the arkham knight states that damien is a Robin, a songbird. These birds are creatures of the day tainted by the dark. The Arkham Knight is not the only is not only Gotham's savior, but his as well. He leaves telling Damien to switch teams and join his crusade. Finally alone, Damien thinks of a way to escape. He knocks over a fire lamp and uses the fire to burn through his bindings. He sees an air conditioning vent and crawls through. He climbs until he reaches an access tunnel. When he gets out of the tunnel, he's met by the Arkham Knight and his followers. He surmises Damien is hesitant to join his cause, and to help him persuade him, he takes off his helmet, revealing his identity to Damien, but not to us, the readers. All right. So, Detective Comics number 1002. A couple of things. First thing. um, My immediate reaction to reading Detective Comics number 1002 was... Man, this feels familiar. And it's because it does. Um, Peter Tomasi has done stories like this in the past. Um, The one that immediately comes to mind is the Batman and Robin story during the New 52 with uh, Morgan Ducard, um, who becomes nobody and is trying to convince Damien to kill. And basically is this person who opposes Batman... Uh, is trying to get Damien to join their side, see their side as the better side, and then Damien is left with the decision. That's what it felt like. Now, that is a very condensed version of what that story was, and it was spread out way over more more than one issue, but this one issue, and not even the full issue, but maybe half of it, deals with this stuff with Damien, and it felt like I've seen this before. What is your thoughts of... Arkham Knight trying to get Damien to join his side. I mean, like, to be fair, I don't see it happening regardless of who's under the mask. Unless it's... And I was going to save this for later, but my guess is that the Arkham Knight is a version of Damien or another clone of Damien. So, um... What what, what do you think it would take for Damien to 
join the Arkham Knight. I think you're right. I think that, I mean, because Peter Tomasi um, in Superman, uh, you know, he was telling the story of Superman and his son, John, uh, during Rebirth. And he actually explicitly paralleled uh, some of the same story beats um, that he did with Damien and Bruce. Um, specifically one that comes to mind is uh, at the beginning of Batman and Robin, Damien kills a bat and it's sort of showing that he is someone who doesn't really value life. Although it's a little weird since we already know that Damien is a vegetarian and collects animals. So it was kind of inconsistent, but it was a a note trying to show that Damien is a dark character. And then John accidentally kills a cat. And the way that it shows the difference between those things between Superman and Batman and Robin shows the difference between Bruce and Clark as fathers and John and Damien as sons. I think that Tomasi is deliberately echoing that first part of, uh, what was it called? Born to kill. I think, I think it was originally called born to kill and they recently recollected it as bad blood in the DC essential series. That's true. And the reason why is because the born to kill was, was made, was adapted into one of those animated films, which was called bad blood. Right. Um, so I think he's going to make a different choice. I think that, uh, Tomasi is deliberately setting it up to have a similar start. And then he's going to be like, but Damien is three years older and he's committed to the life of a hero now. So he's not going to be tempted and he's not going to end by smashing someone's skull in, Although, if you read Teen Titans, that's still open to question. I honestly don't see Damien choosing evil, uh, at least not directly, um, because he, that's been his story. Is he, he was torn between Talia and Bruce, and he chose Bruce. He chose here, and somewhat, he chose Dick, because Dick is the one who really sort of turned him into a hero. I... I don't find the idea of Damien becoming a villain terribly interesting. Um, I wish they would figure out a different arc for him because at this point, as you say, this is the third time we've gone through it. Um, and he's chosen the same thing each time. So I hope that Tomasi has a new take and I expect he will, since he was one of the people who told that initial story. Um, I think that a Damien who, turned evil would be similar to something we've seen in the past where instead of a dramatic choice, like the one that nobody offered him in uh, bad blood and uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the Arkham Knight is offering him now. I don't think Damien would make that obvious choice. I think he would make tiny little choices. One day he just doesn't check up on a villain. He's beaten too much. And when the villain dies, he doesn't feel that bad. And then the next time he's like, Oh man, this guy literally just slaughtered a bunch of babies. So he, he kills him outright. And like he, he sort of slides down something until he becomes a dark. And then of course you could tell a nice redemption story. I don't think anyone at DC is willing to do that because I think you'd have to let demon grow up a bit. And even though he's grown the most of any of the Robins in, except maybe Dick because he was 10 and now he's 13. I don't see DC letting him get older than Tim. And I don't think they're going to get, they're, they're not going to let Tim get older either. Um, although maybe Bendis will be allowed to age him up. That'd be great. But right now it tends to be stuck at 16 for seven years. Um, so Damien sort of has a ceiling to how old he can get. And I don't see them letting him become that dark uh, at this point. So I, I think that, 
Tomasi hopefully has a cool thing planned to show how this is a different story. That, that's sort of my hope for the future on this. I don't disagree. Um, I mean, I would hope that ultimately the outcome of the story is, is different than the previous stories. The The only thing that I can imagine is that he he uses these moments to show growth of the character, which is perfectly fine. And that's what if that's what we get, that's fine. Obviously, it's very difficult to review a single issue and know exactly what the overall plan of the arc and the entire story is without reading the entire story. If this was collected in trade with all five issues that are, you know, that are going to be collected, then it would make a little bit more sense and we would know a little bit more. Given, and this is part of the reason why I find it so difficult to review single issues is because like there's, it's such, it's like reviewing a chapter of a book. It's very difficult to do. But anyway, next thing I want to talk about is I think now is a good time to kind of hypothesize of who exactly is underneath the mask. Um, as I said before, I'm starting to think th- there's a couple of things that are said throughout the issue. You know, they know exactly what Batman's suit is made out of, so they knew exactly how to use or which arrows to use to be able to pierce his his bat suit, which has multiple layers of of you know fabric that is that allows him to be a little bit more immune to things like that normally so they know exactly what his stuff is made out of so they're showing that the the arkham knight or at least the organization or an organization that is behind the arkham knight knows things about batman that maybe the common criminal doesn't know so he's got some sort of connection to knowing things about batman already the fact that on the final page, the character takes off the mask and he thinks that revealing himself to Damien is going to convince him to join leads me to believe it's maybe another Damien clone. Um, and I say that because, and, and I say that because I can't see who else could convince Damien to potentially join if it wasn't Damien himself, just an older version of himself. Um, unless it maybe it was like a, a, a clone of Dick or something like that. But it's not going to be anybody who actually exists in this universe. It'd have to either be a clone or an alternate universe version of the character or something like that. And I feel like clone makes the most sense without going into the other worlds, universe versions of characters. Um, but I think that a version of Damien would make the most sense. Like we already know that uh, Heretic was a version of Damien, just older and bigger and, you know, like that. So he was one of the test two babies too. So it's one of those things where I wonder if this is just that. And then somehow Arkham Knight ties into Talia al Ghul's ultimate plan. Although I don't know how this connects, you know, to the larger scheme of things, because there's all kinds of things going on with Talia al Ghul. And we know that Ra's al Ghul is going to be popping up in Batman and the Outsiders. So it's, it's hard to know exactly how this could all play in if it is that. So, but then again, we've seen plenty of stories that don't tie in in any way, shape, or form to anything else going on. So, thoughts, your thoughts on who you think might be behind the mask? I mean, my theory was originally an alternate universe Bruce um, or Jason. Uh, I think that given that Batman Who Laughs is all about alternate universe Bruce's, and I think um, I heard that. Uh, event Leviathan is going to play with Jason possibly being a traitor. I think that a clone Damien actually makes the most sense. It also fits well with uh, this issue really focusing on Damien's perspective. Um, 
I I think another heretic, who was a clone of Damien, um, is the thing that makes most sense. I'm not sure why he would be called Arkham Knight in that case. I mean, maybe he's bringing back a long-lost cousin of Jeremiah Arkham, but I don't know why Damien would care about that. I mean, I don't know why it would be called Arkham Knight either, other than just that name existed in the, obviously, the alternate universes that exist within the comics and video games and media and things like that. And that'd be the only thing I could think of. Because they did say, initially, when they said, well, Arkham Knight's going to make his first appearance in main continuity, they did say... It's not going to be Jason Todd the way, you know, the way it was in the game. It's this is not the same character as, you know, the character in the games. So it could just be somebody who has this name. We also know that while the Arkham Knights in the video games dealt with, you know, he had essentially his followers or minions or whatever you want to call them. Um it's not exact it wasn't exactly the same as this either. So that's where I'm at. I I'm thinking probably clone Damien. Um, and I think we'll, for, we're going to find out soon because this story arc is not very long. Um, while the Arkham Knight Willow is planned to, you know, pop back up at some point after this first story arc, because Tomasi has said that, I just don't see, I just don't, I just don't see us not finding out who Arkham Knight is before the end of this issue, the end of the story. And we only got three issues left. And, yeah, well, sometimes things can be held to the very last moments and then, you know, kind of left on a cliffhanger for a future story. The fact that Damien knows, Damien's not going to, like, go missing for the next X amount of issues while Bruce doesn't have any idea who's under the mask. So, as soon as Damien knows, as soon as Damien gets back with Bruce, you would assume that he would find out, and probably even before that. So... I would assume that we're going to find out in the next issue, which also falls in line with some of the other recent reveals of the way the story, way stories kind of go where you get this character you don't know anything about. Halfway through the story, you find out a ton of information, and then you figure out whether or not they have a real impact or not, and then it, it, you know, the story ends. Um, that, that was literally what happened in uh, Brian Hill's story in Detective Comics uh, roughly just just under a year ago. So... You know, um, yeah, well, I'm, uh, that's where I'm at. All right, so Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of three out of five. Yeah, I think, especially since I liked Brad Walker's art here, I would give it a three out of five as well. All right, and over on the site, Tony gave it three. So that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three out of five bad ratings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Now, before we jump into Greater Gotham... As anybody who listens to the previous episode knows, um, the last episode we had a kind of a new format for Greater Gotham, and afterwards I asked people what their opinions were. Some people on our Discord voiced their opinions and saying whether or not they enjoyed the new format for Greater Gotham, and the consensus was they enjoyed it, but they also liked the old way too, so it was more of a, can we get a mashup of the two? I decided to run a poll that I spread out on our social media and and the Discord. And out of uh, out of the one hundred percent pie, thirty percent said no and seventy percent said yes. So while the new way was more liked than the old way, I've decided we're going to kind of combine the two and do a mashup. Um, and what we're basically going to do for Greater Gotham going forward is we're going to 
I will run down the books, give you the brief synopsis, and give you the ratings and who reviewed it over on the site like I did before. But rather than us giving it a thumbs up, thumbs down, neutral, or an abstain rating, we're going to forego that and no longer do that. Out of the list of books that we cover, because I can also tell you about the secondary DC Universe books that include some appearances or cameos, as well as the trades and hardcovers that came out. I can do that, and then afterwards we will still pick a book and kind of discuss one of the books of the list that we talked about um, as kind of like a spotlight, and that way we still have a little bit more of a discussion about some of the books that are currently happening, um, but we still also make you fully aware of what came out over the last two weeks. So that's what it'll be going forward. So, Greater Gotham. Welcome to the new format and the format for the foreseeable future. Um, starting off with books that released on April 17th, main TBU books included Batman number 69, which we already talked about, Nightwing number 59, Rick Grayson assists Malcolm Hutch with a fire that appears to be targeting cops. This was by Dole. He gave it one and a half out of five. No secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books. Justice League number 22, as we travel 20 billion years ago for the future of the multiverse, occurred per could Perpetua be playing the ultimate long con? This was reviewed by Andy. He gave it four out of five. Teen Titans number 29. The team tries to cope with the secrets and what to do with Deathstroke. This was by this was reviewed by Adele. He gave it three out of five. Uh, secondary DC Universe books included Electric Warriors number two. Razal Ghul makes a brief appearance in the issue. Moving over to uh, April 24th, we had Main TV Books, where we talked about Detective Comics number 1002, Batgirl number 34, The Terrible Trio are in Gotham and were behind Coromont's attack on Congress Congresswoman Alejo. Since they have, haven't have given up on controlling Gotham yet, can Batgirl stop them? This review by Jerry, he gave it 2.5 out of 5. Secondary TBU books, uh, Batman Beyond number 31, while Terry investigates a series of illegal tech advances, he comes face-to-face with a new villain. Bruce, meanwhile, appears to be a, to be different since his last visit to Arkham. This is by Bill. He gave it 3.5 out of 5. Main DC Universe books, Heroes in Crisis number 8, The Culprit of the Sanctuary, Murders Confesses. This is by Adele. He gave it 3.5 out of 5. Secondary DC Universe books included Action Comics number 1010. Kate Kane is labeled as the current director of Spiral. The Flash, number 69, the female version of Copperhead, appears in the issue. Justice League Dark, number 10, Man Bat, appears in the issue. And then Silencer, number 16, Tyel Ghoul, appears in the issue as well. And then uh, TBU trades and hardcovers of the past two weeks include Batman Detective Comics Rebirth Deluxe Edition, book four, hardcover, Batman and Superman and World's Finest, the Silver Age Omnibus, volume two, hardcover, Justice League of America, the Bronze Age, volume one, trade paperback, Injustice First Masters of the Universe, hardcover. Um, and then uh, Batman Noir, Gotham by Gaslight, hardcover, Batman and Justice League, Manga, Volume 2, trade paperback, Injustice, volume, Injustice 2, Volume 4, trade paperback, and Injustice 2, Volume 5, hardcover. So that is everything that released over the past weeks. If I gave a rating or told you who reviewed it, we have reviews of those books over on the site. So with that being said, Ian, what book do you want to discuss? So I would like to talk about Heroes in Crisis. Um, 
not really because of the whole fandom reaction, um, because I think that's better suited for a fandom in crisis episode. But I think that Heroes in Crisis is an example of a story where a lot of stuff is happening that makes the universe less enjoyable for fans. Uh, and this is not at all to say that it's a bad story, because I actually think that Heroes in Crisis has been a very well-done story, but it's a story which takes away things people like about reading DC Comics. And I know you're a fan of Identity Crisis, and a lot of people have compared Heroes in Crisis and Identity Crisis. And to me, the things that come out of Identity Crisis are very similar to the things that come out of Heroes in Crisis. So what's your perspective on how those two series impacted your reading of, of DC comics as a whole going forward. Well, the one thing about identity crisis is I do enjoy the story, but as far as a Batman or Batman universe specific series, it's, it's definitely not one. There are, there are things that happen in identity crisis that relate to Batman characters, but I don't consider that kind of a Batman universe title. Uh, just like I don't really consider uh, Heroes in Crisis a Batman Universe title. While there are things happening with Batman Universe characters, which we that's the reason why, obviously, we are covering the series. It's not. It, it, it's more of like a DC Universe, a very specific, very specifically related to the overall DC Universe rather than in, an individual character. Um, although, to be fair, Heroes in Crisis, at least depending on who you ask, has a lot to do with Wally West and certain people at DC's dislike of the character or disdain for the character, however you may want to perceive that. But anyway, um, I think ultimately it comes down to, like, the, these series, they, they happen and it's it gives the ability to have a lot of situations happen outside of... Like, outside of something like you typically see, and I say that because a lot of comics, when you get a normal comic, you have, there, there's, and I, and I, this is a very, I, I don't even know that I want to say this because it, it's, it, it, it broad, it broadly generalizes the way comics are, but a lot of comics, honestly, you get an issue, stuff happens, there's some action, there's a little maybe a little bit of character development, but there most of the time there's there's not a whole lot that moves that character forward. A lot of times you can take story arcs and you can put them in different places in the character's timeline and it doesn't make a difference because it's just the story that's happening while they exist. It's not necessarily this is happening at this specific time. And Identity Crisis and Heroes in Crisis, they have things that happen like that are like more impactful to certain characters within those stories that to be honest, I don't know that they would happen in their own titles or titles that those characters are featured in on in a normal basis because it's it some of that stuff is it's it's a little di- little bit too highbrow, I guess is the best way I could put it. Like the stuff that they're dealing with in Heroes in Crisis, a lot of these emotional in the how 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 these different events can emotionally impact characters and things like that that's not something you typically see in a monthly comic series or a series that's releasing every two you know twice a month or something like that it's just not something that a lot of people pick up on and it's also something that 
I don't really feel could be written well over a, an extended amount of time. Like, you know, nine issues is obviously a, a good chunk of issues, but could Heroes in Crisis last, you know, really work as an ongoing? No, it wouldn't. And it, it shouldn't because it takes and diminishes the impactfulness of what's happening. So I think that my view on this is when you take these two, when you take you know, Identity Crisis or Heroes in Crisis, it gives the ability to have these more emotional moments and more impactful things. And while everyone loves to say that, you know, the in the DC Universe, when it's a crisis, regardless of whether, you know, what the name is behind the crisis, the big events always happen during the crisis. They're the crises. And the thing is, like, that's not untrue. And I think that part of the time, the big events they're the ones that really make the big changes for characters because it's very difficult to have those massive big moments in the singular books. There are exceptions. It's not like this is a always full foolproof plan that I'm, you know, that, that, that goes about and, and, and works out like that. I'm just saying like when it comes to these, these series, you get these emotional elements with some of these characters and it really gives the ability to like change things Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, or you know, for the worst, or for, for, for in a bad way, but ultimately it gives the ability to change things in a more dramatic and emotional way than you typically see in normal comics. I think that's a good perspective. I I kind of wish they didn't feel the need to do this to their ongoing characters, but I I think that at least in the case of Heroes in Crisis, it's been done in a way that I think is very skillful and and definitely hits home to me as a reader. Um, but I, I would also say that if I were a particular fan of Wally West, I would probably be very upset. There's no doubt about that. I think a lot of people, the thing is I immediately when that book, when we received the book from DC to review, I immediately read the book and thought to myself, wow, Wally West fans are going to be mad. Um, I personally am not attached to Wally West in any way. Um, while, I have nothing against the character. I don't have anything that I like. There's no, I don't have any sort of like fan connection to the character that makes me say Wally West is my flesh. Like some people do like to some fans, Wally West is their flesh. Um, to other fans, Barry Allen is their flesh. Um, you know, it's just, just the same as, you know, the, the you know, you, you could look at it. The Robins, the Robins are the better example rather than like the people who've stepped in for Batman. But like the Robins, there are some people who Dick Grayson is a Robin. I'm sure there's a few select people who Jason Todd is their Robin. Tim Drake is the Robin for a lot of people. And then you've got Damien, who is their Robin, too. So it's And there's it, one person for whom Stephanie Brown is their Robin. There you go. Yeah, sorry. I forgot. I forgot, Stephanie. But there, the thing is, like, I think for some people that's I can completely understand from the perspective of if if this was a story that involved a Robin instead of a Flash and Tim Drake was made to be potentially a murderer as it's you know as we're shown in Heroes in Crisis number 8 I'm sure that people would be very upset especially people who are fans of Tim Drake and I I can completely understand where that that disdain for what's happening to Wally West can come from but at the same time there there's been some people online who have taken it to a much worse degree and have gone as far as to send 
Tom King death threats, which is completely unreasonable and and it will be coming up in a future episode of Phantom and Crisis for those of you who are Patreon uh, supporters. But quite honestly, like the thing is, there's one issue left. For all we know, and and I'm not, I'm just making an educated guess here. For all we know, Wally West made a bad, you know, he did something really bad, and the last issue shows him fixing it, and all these people who died end up coming back or were never, you know, never actually were, were never actually killed or something like that. And Wally just has to, again, live with this horrible situation that happened that he didn't do on purpose, but it happened. And he's the one who's going to have to live with it. That could be, you know, that could end up being the end of the story. And there's little to no impact on the rest of the titles within the DC universe as far as what's going to happen with any of the characters that are currently being featured in Heroes in Crisis. It's just, it's one of those things where I don't like getting super upset. Like, don't get me wrong. I have got, I've had, I have done this, but I don't like getting super upset about uh, a story arc or the way the outcome of the story feels when you, when you only have like one or two issues left. You know, it's one thing if you know this is a 12-issue st- series, and in issue number two, they do something that's, like, super horrible to a character, and then you're going to be dealing for the next eight months with this horrible interpretation of a character. But when you only have one issue left, you've got to wait basically four more weeks to get the end of this story. Don't freak out because Wally West was made into a murderer, which, by the way, he didn't actually murder anybody. He he Something happened, and he you know, non, it's not like it was premeditated murder. It was, it was basically manslaughter. All these people just happened to be out of the sanctuary and something horrible happened. And that's why they all ended up dead because of something that happened with him and the speed force, my interpretation of it at least. But I don't, I, I don't think it's fair to Tom King to judge what he has done to Wally West on the singular issue. Just like, Everybody judged Tom King on Poison Ivy from that singular cover that came out year, you know, months ago about her, you know, dead and bleeding on the floor, and everyone was like, "Oh, he doesn't care about Poison Ivy." But then a couple issues later, she's the one of the characters that actually didn't actually die. She died, but then was reborn. He did that in his comic, so it's like you can't judge everything based off of what you have. Judge it on after the fact. Judge it on what you get as the whole. That's why it's so hard to do Tom King's Batman series because you know that he's telling the story as an overall massive, ginormous, takes way too long story, but it's very difficult to judge it because you don't know where it's going or how it's going to actually end. Were we all pissed about the wedding? Yes. Could he end up with, you know, could he have Batman and Catwoman get together by number 100? It's entirely possible. We have no idea. So it's, while it's entirely easy to get upset in the moment, I just encourage people to just relax, take a breath, and say, you know, at least you don't have to wait two more years to get to Batman number 100 when you're at Batman 50. So just remember, it's not that bad. It could be worse. I agree. And I think your interpretation of Heroes in Crisis is pretty solid. Um, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about Heroes in Crisis. I think it's a worthwhile issue. It's it's beautifully illustrated by, um, I think it's Mitch Gerrads and Travis Moore this time. And I talked to Clay Mann at Awesome Con this weekend, and he said that he drew all of issue nine. So I'm very excited to see that because he's been one of the best artists on, on the series. But Heroes in Crisis, it's a big thing. People are mad about it. 
it and, and honestly it could all become nothing next month that's and that's that's the biggest problem with the fandom in general is that people get so upset about something now i mean like literally whenever you think of something big a big announcement where a lot of people get upset or a big reveal and a lot of people get upset is it really as bad as everybody makes it out to be like a couple months later when you kind of let it sit for a second and think about it? No. I mean, there are so many people who are upset about Ben Affleck becoming Batman. And then, you know, two years later, he's he's Batman and, and everybody's pissed because the movie was bad, but Ben Affleck was the best part of it. It's like, just 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 take a breath. Everybody just needs to take a breath and, and relax. That's all. Um. All right, so my book that I want to discuss is Batgirl. Um, it goes in line with what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about the creative change that's coming in July. That's seemingly out of nowhere, but there's a reason why I want to talk about this. So there's in the in the pages of Batgirl there there's been this this overall storyline with Coromont, who was revealed to be this assassin who was supposed to be trying to kill the Congresswoman that Babs was working for. Babs indirectly is assisting in the, or not indirectly assisting, but indirectly stopping the assassination because she happens to be working for the congresswoman. But it's revealed in this issue that the terrible trio is actually behind the potential um, assassination attempt. And their explanation is that the terrible trio has uh, dealings within Blackgate Penitentiary and because they have stuff tied up with that, Aleo is, you know, their number one target because she wants to basically, whatever she's involved with when it comes to voting would have to, would affect Blackgate and they're not liking that. To be, to be completely fair, it seems like a very strange direction to go with the terrible trio not that i have anything necessarily against the terrible trio although the there's been different versions of the terrible trio over the years about the terrible trio being like just people who wear these masks that look like the animals and they've you know the people underneath the masks have changed and then there's these other weird versions of the characters which i don't necessarily agree with which is they're actually humanoid anthropo uh anthro uh what's the word anthropomorphic the the version of the animals or like an animal that talks um versions of the characters where it's actually like a humanoid fox humanoid vulture humanoid shark i don't agree with that version because it is too i know i know i'm saying this out loud but it's too outside of left field for comics um, specifically the Batman universe. I, I just don't think it works. Um, could it, could it work? Uh, maybe. I mean, let's be honest. We, we've had an Elmer Fudd story that somehow seems to have worked its way into normal continuity, but, um, this just doesn't feel like the thing that makes sense. The way they're drawn in the book, it does not come across as a bunch of guys wearing masks that are animal related. It comes across as these are humanoid animals, and I'm not a huge fan of that. But that's not actually what I want to talk about. I was mentioning earlier that the characterization of, of Batgirl has been off for the past couple issues. This specific issue, um, she gets really upset with her dad in front of her boss um, while she's at work, which to me is completely unlike her. Um, she's upset about the fact that her dad didn't tell her about James Jr. being released from prison um, while he's, you know, that, that stuff's happening over in The Batman Who Laughs. 
but she's getting upset with him at work or while she's at work. And despite telling her, having her boss and her father both tell her, we, this is not the time to be doing this. She doesn't care. She's ignoring them. There's a bunch of other stuff going on. Like she's getting calls from her business saying that like bad stuff is happening with her business and that she needs to make some decisions and she's ignoring those things. Um, there's other situations where she claim she tells her dad that she's moving out. She moves out. Uh, well, she supposedly moves out, has these movers bring all her stuff to her new apartment but her check bounced at the apartment, and because her check bounced, all of her stuff is now just sitting in the lobby of the the apartment building, and the doorman's pretty pissed about it. It's a very, like, there's a lot of very strange things happening with the character. And there's an interesting thing that's going on that they've talked about in a couple of other um, a couple of other things where, like I said earlier, there's this tie-in to Year of the Villain where there's this thing happening called The Offer that's happening in, um, well, it's going to happen in Justice League, but then Lex Luthor goes and he makes an offer to a number of characters. The issue of DC's Year of the Villain, which is out now um, as you're listening to this, there's a page in the back or like in, after the main chunk of this, the issue where in the story itself or in, in the supplemental material in the back, there's a collage of a number of characters and they say six of these characters have been replaced with a dark multiverse version of the character and they, they've already been replaced and out of the characters, there's a number of Batman universe characters. So it's, there's bound to be at least one of them um, from the Batman universe. But I'm wondering if Batgirl is the one that has been infected or something happened or, and if it has nothing to do with that dark, dark multiverse, because she is one of the characters obviously featured in that, that led me to think about this, but also if not, then it has something to do with her spinal um, implant, which they haven't conveniently talked about for multiple issues either. So thoughts on the characterization of Barbara in Batgirl right now and how this could potentially be resolved. Um, that's really interesting about the idea that they've been replaced. Uh, that might explain why she was so angry in the tie-in to Batman Who Laughs. And Batman Who Laughs is all about multiverse and dark multiverse stuff. I, I think I, I'm not a fan of replacing uh, heroes with with evil versions of themselves or brainwashing because you get attached to these characters and then you find out that it was all a lie. And so you, everything you were attached to in that story is false. And so you can't really reread that story and enjoy it. I think if that is the case, it actually makes a lot of sense for why Marigrid Scott had to leave because that kind of title, especially if they told her and they said, you've got three months to do this. That's, that's really going to mess you up. You know, trying to write a character where you had all these heroic plans for her and then nope, she's, she has to be actually secretly a villain or secretly under the influence of villains. I, I really wish DC would would let the Bat family be heroic, fun titles, though. Uh, I think Scott was doing the best job that she could under the circumstances to do that, and it was succeeding mostly. But apparently, and I can't tell if it's, if it's uh, the Justice League or the Event Leviathan that's doing this to Batgirl, because... She's in Event Leviathan too, so it's it's just a weird situation for Batgirl, and I feel really bad for her fans because it's it's not really fair to fans. I think. 
It's not. It's not at all. And she's actually appearing in way more things than she probably should be, uh, because not only she's also appearing in Heroes in Crisis right now, while that's not having any sort of effect on anything that's happening outside, she is appearing there. She's going to get an offer to her in the, you know, that's spinning out of Justice League, but then she's also part of Event Leviathan. There's a lot of stuff going on with the character, and hopefully the entire reason that Scott is leaving and all of the, or hopefully the reason that she is, hopefully, I'm hoping that the reason she's leaving is not the fact that the character is being used by so many high-profile writers and that's the main reason as to why you know she doesn't have a lot of say in what she what happens with the character and that's why she decided to leave which i mean it could entirely be the case we've had this happen before um in some ways when background the birds of prey ended we heard the bensons say that you know they had certain plans that they wanted to do for some of the characters in the series but there was other plans with other series that contradicted what they wanted to do so it's entirely possible that you know that's the case but i would really hope i really hope that the person who's on a solo book who's attached to a solo book at least for an extended amount of time gets a little bit of say as to the characterization of that character in other titles but we know how dc works it's it's the top tier writers get to get to pick the characterization even if it screws up the you know the lower tier books and the writer's plans for those books so that's unfortunate all right so that is greater gotham uh hopefully you enjoyed this this time around i still want to hear your responses if you didn't like it please tell us why if you are liking it we love the confirmation that we're doing a good job so um also outside of outside of uh, all of our reviews there was a new editorial that we posted up um colin over on the site posted up a new uh a new multi-part uh retrospective talking about dick grayson as batman the different times that he filled in for batman um so so the part one is out now while you're listening to this part two will be out uh the following week and then uh part three will come out later in may so there's a bunch of stuff related to dick grayson if you ever wanted to know anything about dick grayson's time as batman these are the ones you should be checking out um, so before we jump into a couple of other things, we have our, I want to quickly say thank you to our Patreon supporters. Uh, thank you, Theodis, Robert, Donald, Brendan, Ian, uh, Austin, Stanton's Grave, Arturo, Irwin, Captain America, Jay Dutton, and Real No Deuces, as well as everybody at the lower tiers as well. We greatly appreciate your support. Um, as most of you have probably known, uh, those of you who are Patreon supporters, but also I want to tell the people who are not our Patreon supporters as to what you can see. Um, over the course of April, I've tried to catch up on a lot of the backlog of, of extra content that, uh, we would, we were hoping to get out. So we've actually, we've done a pretty good job, but we're still a little bit behind, not, not super behind, but we do have a lot of plans for some episodes coming up real soon here. Um, there's a new TV raw talking about all the DC universe updates. These are the DC universe, the streaming service, um, talking about a lot of the rumors out there about the service ending or what could potentially happen in the future. 
There's a TBU extra related to the Joker trailer reaction, or uh, a Joker trailer reaction, I should say, us talking about the, the trailer for the upcoming Joker film. We also did a uh, TBU Raw uh, talking all about Shazam. So that's th- those are in addition to the Phantom and Crisis that released earlier in the month, which talks about the culture of petitions in society and how it relates to fans and uh I can tell you right now that a, the next episode of Phantom and Crisis, which is in the planning phases at this point, is going to be talking about um, creators, uh, comic creators in general, dealing with horror, like the, the the fan outrage and how far that outrage goes. Uh, specifically, this ties into the reaction to Heroes in Crisis number eight. Uh, so we'll be talking about that on an upcoming episode of Phantom and Crisis. And, as mentioned on the last episode, starting in May, uh, Ian will be heading up a new uh, specific show on Patreon called TBU Cold Case Files. Um, Ian, you want to tell them what the first episode is going to be? Yeah, it was actually a brainchild of Paul and I, another staff member on the site. Um, we're going to be looking at older episode, older issues of uh, Batman-related titles. Uh, we're starting with some issues from the early 90s focused on Batman and Tim Drake. Uh, it was a really great episode, so I am looking forward to you guys getting a chance to hear it. And feel free to leave comments on the Patreon or on the, uh, the Discord once it posts. Uh, we got it. I got it edited today, so it should post in the next uh, week or so, I say. Yeah, it'll definitely post after the beginning of May, but as you're listening to this, within the next week. So take a look and be on the lookout for that. That will actually replace one of our TBU Raws. So that will be at the that, that episode or that show will be available at the three dollar tier as well. So uh, in addition to Patreon support, and I know I talk about this a lot because we do produce a bunch of extra content over there. Um, because obviously those of you who are who feel the necessity to actually share your hard-earned dollars with us, we, we want to reward you by making sure we have this extra content for you. Um, I do want to point out that there are other avenues that you can support TBU on. Um, you can support TBU by uh, a one-time donation over on PayPal. You can buy merch from our merch shop. Also, if you if you pay attention to any of the the merchandise news that we have, uh, starting over the last couple months, we started to post affiliate links for a lot of the merchandise that's announced. So if you typically buy items from DC Collectibles or... Funko or a variety of any of the other major collectible companies and you see the news reported about these items on the site generally we have an affiliate link that you can click and we earn a small percentage of that purchase and that money goes directly back into the website to help the site grow even more so um, we're trying to come up with different avenues of you know getting more funds for the site so that we can potentially do an upgrade to the the actual site itself to make it quicker and faster and more appealing to our fans um, and then obviously we have a bunch of other content that we love to create as well it's just a matter of getting to the level of the support that we need in order to produce that content because the content is not necessarily free. Um, so if you are unable to support us in any monetarily monetary way, um, we also are always looking for people to help us out with a variety of different things, including writing comic reviews, writing news articles, writing original content for the site. Um, we're always looking... The, the things that would save us a ton of money in the larger scheme is if anybody knows... 
if you yourself or you know someone who is a video editor, audio editor, um, graphic designer, web developer, anybody like that, if you know people like that or you are one of those people and you can volunteer your services or put us in touch with somebody who might be able to, to help out in in exchange for just getting their name out there for working on a, a, a big project like this, that would be ideal because that could save us, you know, and get us some of that content that we really would love to create for you guys in the near future. So with that all being said, uh, let's jump into our listener Q and A's. Um, our only comment came from two long years via, via Discord, and he asked if you could pick one single issue from the last several, uh, and several he meant six months, to suggest to a reader to get interested in starting a new series, what would it be? Ian, do you want to take that first? Yep, I'm going to pump my boy Deathstroke, because we just started the Terminus Agenda, and the issue before that which I think was Deathstroke number uh, 40, I believe, was uh, a really cool sort of look back and forward. So he just got out of Arkham and he's really wrestling with himself and has his relationship with his daughter Rose. And that's a really compelling relationship throughout that entire series. So it's a great jumping on point for a series if you haven't started already. Uh, It's a very complex and mind-bendy series sometimes, but it's very rewarding and it really looks at the darker side of the DC universe while still being very enjoyable. And specifically when the six months term was put on, a lot of the books that I would have suggested went out the window um, because I would have suggested like Batgirl number 25 or Batgirl number 26 more specifically uh, because that was a great way to get on to get into Batgirl. But that happened more than six months ago, so that doesn't work. Um, some of the other titles I was thinking also didn't work, but I would honestly say the one that makes the most sense, like looking at some of the other series out there, there's nothing that just really started recently. There's a bunch of stuff coming up real soon um, that I'm really looking forward to. Like there's a lot of new mini series starting up. There's a lot of DC event stuff st- starting up. There's a lot of stuff coming in. I, in that uh, honestly just right around the corner in May. That's that I'm super excited about deceased event Leviathan, um, the year of the villain stuff. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. So, there's a bunch of stuff coming, but if I had to pick up, pick something that happened in the last six months to suggest, I, and this is going to probably come across as a cop out, but it makes the most sense. I would say detective comics number 1000. Um, I was just thinking of that. Yeah. Because the honest truth is like, I'm not going to tell anybody to pick up any current or, you know, recent issue of Batman and say, yes, this is a perfect time to jump into that story because it's not, it really isn't. Um, 75 might be a good time to jump onto Batman if, you know, if you haven't been reading Batman, but right now with the nightmares for the last, you know, way longer than it should have been, uh, been going on. I don't, it's not been a good time. I don't think 70 is going to be a good time to be jumping on because I think you're going to be lost. So Detective Comics number 1000, honestly, while more expensive than other issues, is still probably the best comic to suggest, specifically because 
the series can focus or you know the series gives or that issue gives such a wide variety of different talent that's out there you get to see a lot of different art styles you can see a lot of different writing styles you can see a lot of decent stories i mean like there's some really really good stories and even the ones that aren't that good still have really really good art so that's a really good one um and I would say, like, it, 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 honestly, if it was somebody who wasn't involved in comics and you were trying to introduce them, give them that. It's like, here's a sample of what you could be getting from comics in general. Because a lot of these artists, you know, they still do comics. And while they're not producing, you know, they're not necessarily some of the monthly series, to, you know, artists, there's still a lot of art, you know, there's still a lot of really good stuff in that book. So that would probably be mine which I know is not necessarily the best, but that's literally the one I thought of when the question was asked. So, I also thought of that. Another, a couple other things I would mention would be things like uh, the first issue of Batman Who Laughs because that's you know start of a new series. Uh, the first issue of Young Justice because that was within six months. Um, and I think oh, I mean obviously uh, Detective Comics also you know the the Peter Tomasi thing. Although I'd say one hundred and one is probably a better spot than. Uh, I think it was 94 um, in terms of a new storyline. But there's a plenty of of new places to jump on right now with new series. But as Dustin said, the excitement's really uh, stuff that's being set up to to launch in the summer. And I think that's going to be an exciting time to jump on. So that was our only thing. That was only our only question that we had from listeners. So I have a couple of real small discussion points. You want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. There was a, a th- and then a lot of this stems from my just off the wall thinking and kind of falling in line with other things. And pretty much, if you are a member of our Discord, and if you're not, please become one because honestly, there's conversations going on all the time about all these different books and all the different news related to all the different subjects that we cover on the website, but there's lots of stuff going on over on the discord. But the reason I say, and and I say the discord is because if you're on the discord, you're probably going to, you're probably going to recognize that some of these topics I've brought up recently on the discord, but there's a bunch of different things, smaller things that I've seen over the last couple of weeks that have got me thinking about certain things. So somebody had mentioned, you know, Nightwing in general, as we all know, have not, has not been that great over the past. Well, since like September when Nightwing number 50 came out, um, overall, the series has kind of floundered. It's gone from one writer to two writers to three writers working together or in conjunction with each other dan jurgens just started this past week or the past two weeks dan jurgens started on the book and that book seems just as lost as ever before it wasn't like jurgens came in and really did anything that made the book less lost in my opinion but anyway the there was some questions there, there was a lot of people who were talking about nightwing series as a whole and they basically said you know it's sad because it seems like they're trying to do something different with the character, but the execution just seems really, really poorly thought out. Um, A lot of people have pointed to the fact that maybe Benjamin Percy leaving the book had a big effect on the direction of how everything turned out. Um, He left the series 
kind of in the middle there was already stuff that was solicited past what when he was when he actually left that he was supposed to be on that he wasn't no longer going to be on so things could have turned out differently because of the direction that his career went but somebody was saying like well you know do you think that they should have done this or not or how do we get out of this and while my immediate thought was well the easy way to get out of this is something happens this this summer with one of the events that gets Dick Grayson to remember his his memories and he's no longer this Rick Grayson or as we like to call him on the Discord uh Uber Rick or Sick Rick um so there or Sick Dick I think is what the, they were calling him but the 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 thing is like I I thought to myself well that makes the most sense you could get out of this this summer and you just have to kind of tread water until this summer when it can be explained with one of the events. But I thought to myself, maybe what the problem is, because then people were talking about how, well, maybe the books, maybe since the beginning of Rebirth and even obviously some of New 52, Dick Grayson's kind of been just treading water by itself. I mean, like the character is extremely popular. There's no, there, there's plenty of people who are buying the book while it's not selling nearly as well as it has in the past, and that's for obvious reasons. There, there are, there's a dedicated group of fans, but the problem is that it feels like nobody really, as far as creatively, has a real good thought idea of what to do with Dick Grayson, and that, and it came to my my realization that maybe. This is the time where we take Dick Grayson and we don't have him be in his own solo book. I'm not saying don't have him as Nightwing. I'm not saying get rid of the character as a whole. I'm just saying maybe this character doesn't need to be in a solo series at this point if the stuff that they keep putting out just doesn't work. Like, nothing's really happening with the character. You look at a a character like Jason Todd, who had Red Hood and the Outlaws during the New 52 Obviously, Red Hood and the Outlaws then morphed into Red Hood Outlaw, you know, last year. But the thing is, it doesn't, it, it, that book doesn't seem like it's foundering. It feels like the creator attached, which has been for a very long time, Scott Lobdell, has a direction of where he wants to go with the character, is telling the story that people are enjoying, and nobody's complaining about that book. Nobody's sitting here saying, like, what are you doing with this character? You know, like, they're doing something different. They're not doing the same thing. But at the same time, we are getting to a point where, like, Dick Grayson, like, people just don't care anymore. You took They took him out of Titans, which, I mean, made sense with the stories that were happening in Nightwing. But, like, the stuff that's happening in Nightwing, does it really need to be happening? No, it just feels like they're trying to do something different for the sake of doing something different. But it's not working. So, my question to you is, do we need a Nightwing series right now? Well, we definitely don't need the Nightwing series we're getting right now. That's true. I think I've been pushing for a couple weeks now. Um, I think I don't like Bruce and Damien as direct partners just because I think they're too similar. I don't think they contrast well. I think Dick and Damien are perfect contrasts. And I, I was stuck for a while on thinking, well, but that means Dick has to be Batman. He doesn't. 
what about a Nightwing and Robin title? Wouldn't that be awesome? A Damien and Dick title there. And you could even get Grayson elements. He could be going throughout the world with Damien, sort of like Damien went in the year of blood in the Robinson of Batman. So there's precedent for these characters being globetrotting. It would really fit with Dick's sort of gregarious nature. He really likes to go around and meet people. Uh, and, you know, their partnership is fantastic. There's tons of people who want to write. I mean, Seeley would love to write that. King would probably love to write that if he were free. Uh, Morrison would probably love to write that. There's just so many writers who would love to write that. And it's such a, a rich um, relationship and two characters that they could really be handled by any good writer because their voices are so distinct. So that's one example. You could also have a Batgirl and Nightwing title. I mean, who doesn't love uh, Babs and, and Dick, you know, sparking together, whether they're romantic or just friends? People would love that. You could put him on an actual Titans book that wasn't crazy. Um, the, for the people who love Dick and Corey, the Starfire, there's there's all that relationship. He's got so many relationships. You could have a, a Dick and Flash. I think there was even a crossover with Dick and Wally uh, in Seeley's run. Um, I, don't, I, I don't remember. That was a long, long time ago. But Dick has so many relationships. Putting him on a team or a partnership would be fantastic. And instead, we have Amnesiac Nightwing doing stupid things and a bunch of characters nobody really cares about and won't matter in two years are are the Nightwings of the title. It is just such a stupid move by DC and they need to stop it, but they won't. And I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So my question to our listeners is the same. I present the same question. I'd like to hear your guys' feedback. Is this the time, you know, do we really need to have a Nightwing solo series right now? Uh, Ian obviously presented some really good alternatives to a Nightwing uh, a Nightwing solo series. But, like, do we need to have a Nightwing solo series? Personally, I don't think we do right now. I feel like it's happening because it needs to happen. Um, because there's this obligation to have one because we've had one for so long. But to be fair... There was a Robin series way, way before there was a Nightwing series, and the Robin series lasted for a lot longer, but we haven't had a Robin a Robin solo series since uh, Robin, Son of Batman, which was, or, which was, what was the one that Patrick Gleason did? Was that yeah, Robin, Robin, Son of Batman, Batman yeah, was 2005, yeah. 2006, 2015 to 2016. Yeah, and that one didn't last long, but that was the first Robin solo series that we had that was an ongoing for quite some time. So, I mean, like, well, since Red not... Robin from 2009 to 2011. Okay. What I meant was we, uh, okay. You, you got me there, but what I meant was a non Tim Drake solo series, but yes, the, the intent is that there's this, the, if honestly, like when, when they started the new uh, rebirth, Batgirl had Batgirl and Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. They got rid of Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Now there's characters that were part of the Birds of Prey who are literally nowhere to be found. For a while, Huntress was popping up in other titles, but now she's nowhere to be found. Um, I'm sure she will continue to pop up in the future. In seventy one, yes, but she's she's not like a main character in the other books. You've got other characters out there like that too, but. Nightwing was twice a month book, and then it got brought down to, um, you know, single issue per month. Harley Quinn was twice a month per book. Now it's only a single issue per month. The thing is, like, I think that they've realized that some of these characters, there's no need for them to have as much of them as there was. 
Um, while, uh, to be fair, my opinion was Harley Quinn doesn't need to have two issues per month, neither does Nightwing. Batgirl doesn't have to have two issues per month either, but I think that a Birds of Prey book can still work fine without having to deal with it being like a Batgirl secondary book. But that being said, I still, I, I, I just feel like this is a time where maybe we need to, maybe DC just needs to say, you know what, we don't need a Nightwing series right now. Um, the problem with that, of course, is that if you get rid of the Nightwing series, that the the only other bat books ongoings that you've got outside of the main batman books is red hood harley quinn and batgirl there's there's no other ongoings that are happening right now that's you know that are main bat books catwoman's got one too but obviously that one hasn't lasted as long and technically in the world of dc they still consider red hood a villain so batgirl becomes the only ally that has a book well you've got three characters that have that are considered villains so so what you're saying is we need a team book because there are so many great characters who aren't appearing there yes we do need a team book and and uh, and to be fair we do have batman and the outsiders coming soon but that is only grouping some of the characters year yeah Okay, so that was the first question. The first question for our listeners. Do we need a Nightwing solo series right now? Next thing I want to talk about. Um, So, in the latest issue of Action Comics, and I know Action Comics is not something we normally cover, um, but this was something that I saw as I was flipping through it. Um, I've realized Leviathan is right around the corner. I'm super looking forward to this series and realized, oh crap, uh, it kind of pre- the prelude to Event Leviathan has been happening in Action Comics. I should probably start checking out Action Comics. So as I glanced through uh, issue 1010, I noticed that there's a page where they list a bunch of people who are, you know, prominent people within the multiple uh, global organizations like um, Task Force X or Argus or... Uh, the DEO or Spiral, they are listing a bunch of these uh, organizations and they're showing like who the people are within the organization. So like Amanda Waller's there and she's listed as the White Queen. You've got Nemesis, which is listed as the White Queen's Bishop. So it's like playing off of that old checkmate uh, kind of code names and stuff like that. But there was one really interesting one, which was, and I don't, I didn't know this because, like I said, I just started getting action comics, and I've got to start. I got to go back to 1007 when this stuff actually starts. They list Clark Kent and Lois Lane as as, as members of Spiral with Agent or whatever his name is, Tiger, the the guy who's working with Dick Grayson for a while. He's listed as as their boss, and the director of Spiral is listed as Kate Kane. That was a mistake that um, was supposed to be Kathy Kane because remember um, Grant Morrison and then Tom King and Tim Seeley and Grayson had Kate Kane, who was actually brainwashed uh, Luca Nets, the daughter of an evil Dr. Nets. Um, I think they, they released on Twitter that it was originally supposed to be Kathy Kane. They misprinted it. It wasn't Batwoman. She's never been involved with Spiral. Okay. Okay, because I, I I looked around to see if I could find any clarification for that. I did see somebody, and I knew I remember Kathy Kane being over that, no question there. But I I thought that Kathy Kane was also involved in Leviathan during Batman Incorporated. Well, Spiral was initially created as part 
as one of the arms of Leviathan arms. under okay. uh, Talia al Ghul. Um, it splintered off after Talia was killed at the end of Batman Incorporated. Uh, and it sort of – that was when Helena Bertinelli was actually in charge of it before she became Huntress again. So it was its own independent entity between Batman Incorporated and then now Event Leviathan. But it sounds like it's probably going to get either wiped out or reabsorbed by Leviathan. Okay. All right. Well, that makes a little bit more sense. And because I was confused – and when I posted in the Discord, people were like, uh, maybe it'll get revealed sometime in the future. I was like, are we sure that this was some sort of like, and the thing is like, obviously we know how things work with comic single issue comics. If there's a mistake made and the fans call it out, generally they get it fixed for the trade. So I'm sure it will be fixed for the trade, but it was just a interesting little thing that I saw. I was like, huh? Um, so I was going to present that question, but you answered it. So that's that. Um, last thing I had, um, if you ha- have not, as you're listening to this, picked up DC's Year of the Villain, one, you should, two, if you go to Comixology, you can actually get it for free, while it's 25 cents in comic stores, it's actually free on Comixology, so I encourage you to do that, and the reason why is because while the main stories that focus on what's going to happen in Just League, Event Leviathan, and kind of the future of the Year of the Villain in general... There is some supplemental material in the back that I think is really great, and I love this supplemental material. Um, the DC Nation magazine that was releasing had great, did a great job with like showing this stuff off, and unfortunately that 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 magazine was canceled. But there is some supplemental material in the back of this twenty-five cent issue, and one of them is it talks about some of the upcoming titles that are going to be involved with you're the villain and if a lot of people paid attention a while back uh scott steiner had said in interviews that the batman who laughs was going to spin out into something and a lot of people were unsure if there was going to just be an ongoing with the batman who laughs after the miniseries wrapped and maybe scott steiner's name would be on it but it would be headed up by somebody else or there was thoughts about whether or not the character could just be in another title and be focused on in another title. Well, the answer is actually in that supplemental material. It turns out, come August, and while you're listening to this, I, I assume DC would have announced this because it's in the comic, but who knows. But anyway, um, coming in August, there's going to be a Batman-Superman series, which will kick off with an issue number one. This is an ongoing series where the description of the series is that the Batman Who Laughs has switched out characters from our universe with their with like evil counterparts from the dark multiverse. So you can get a character, and I, I talked about this during the Batgirl when we were talking about Batgirl, but you could get a character who is acting out of sorts and you're not sure why. And the reason why is because, well, it's actually an evil version of themselves. How evil of course is up to the writer, but the new series is going to be written by Joshua Williamson and the artist by David McQuez. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, he comes from Marvel uh, has been working on Marvel stuff for quite some time. Marquez. Marquez. Okay. Um, but that series is coming and, that is something obviously we will be covering at TBU. There, there isn't the the interesting part is they announced this book kind of in the in the in the issue, and then on top of that, there's another page. 
Uh, and it's a double page splash that has a massive amount of characters, like a collage similar to what we saw when they were hyping up Heroes in Crisis. And they said, Heroes in Crisis, some of the, or four of these characters are going to die. One of them is the murderer, and one of them, or two of them, will be accused of it or something like that. And you're left guessing which of these characters are getting killed, which of these characters are, you know, potentially the murderer, whatever. They do something very similar to that, but they basically say, here's a bunch of characters, six of these characters are the dark multiverse, or will have a dark multiverse version, and they're going to become part of this new group called the Secret Six. Well, obviously the name is not any different. We've heard this name, Secret Six, before. They are essentially six characters that are a secret dark multiverse version of themselves, hence the name Secret Six. Okay, cool. Um what's interesting about this is that like i said earlier there's a bunch of batman universe characters on this page um like i said if you haven't picked this issue up you you certainly need to but just to be clear i i just want to run through some of these characters and kind of give some immediate thoughts on this but the the characters that are showcased in the actual collage that are batman universe characters include rick grayson um, who we obviously know as Dick Grayson, Damian Wayne, Barbara Gordon, uh, Jim Gordon's on here, Catwoman, and Alfred are all on here. So I would assume out of all of these people that are shown, I would assume that at least one member of the Bat family is going to be included amongst this, the end six. Um, and I would honestly say that the one that makes... The, the two that stand out to me the most, based off what's currently happening, is... Dick Grayson, just because that would answer so many things of why this has been happening and whatever. Um, and then the other one would be Barbara Gordon because of the out of characterness that she's been that that's been focused on in the last couple of issues. Um, but I mean, who's to say? But I would guarantee that out of all these characters, one of the members of the Bat family is going to. So the question is. Who do you think will be the member of the Bat family that is potentially part of the Secret Six who gets swapped out by the Batman who laughs? I think uh, your choices make the most sense. I I hate the story Secret Invasion where there's a bunch of Skrulls who are actually instead of the, the Marvel heroes. I hate this whole plan. Um, but, you know, since I hated the Batman who laughs, it doesn't really affect me because I wouldn't be reading it anyway. Well, there you go. So, now I present the question to our listeners and say, if you were to pick one of the Bat Family characters, or, I mean, you could honestly go through any of these characters, who do you think would be the Bat Family character that is actually included as part of the Secret Six? Or you could go all out and say who you think the Six would be based off of all these characters that are shown as part of the entire DC Universe, if you are so inclined. So, uh, leave your comments over on the site or you can leave them on social media as long as you tag us in them or you can leave them on discord where if you leave them on discord chances are some of us will be you know will be answering your questions and things like that or chatting back with you immediately after you send that stuff Um, but we will be sure to plug that stuff in and we will talk about it over on the next episode so with that being said that is this episode of the batman universe comic podcast i want to thank you guys for listening uh be sure to check out the website for all latest news related to movies merchandise video games tv and of course the comics also be sure to check us out on twitter facebook instagram 
YouTube and over on the site for all these news and videos from the Batman universe. Uh, I strongly encourage you to follow us in those social medias because we are constantly posting stuff um, throughout the day, throughout your workday. So be sure to follow us on there to find out all the latest and greatest that we have to offer. In addition to that, check out all the other podcasts we have to offer. New episodes of Backworld Oracle, uh, Robin Never Loves the Drake, Everyone Loves Young Justice, Bat Books for Beginners, uh, Bat Fans, tons of tons of shows, uh, Bat, Batman books, The Dark Knight Pros, lots of stuff. So be sure to check out that stuff. Um, and like I said, if you are so inclined and looking for even more content, be sure to check out our Patreon. Where we have even more content that you guys can absorb. So that being said, this is Dustin. And this is Ian. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.